Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Welcome to this episode of Podcast. My name is Amelia Wright, and today I am joined by Joanna Hooper again. Um, we spoke previously on some um, some mental resilience, resilience, uh, or should I say, um, topics in of stressful workplace at the moment. So I'm delighted to to be speaking to you again today, Joanna. Thank you for having me again. How are you? Is everything everything good in in your world in lockdown 3.0? It is. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty fine, actually, although, as we were discussing earlier, nothing significant to report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had a quick discussion before and uh, everybody seems to be in the same boat. So, uh, yes, it's uh, it's a common theme at the moment. Um, as I say, thank you again for, for joining us. Um, following on from when we, we spoke previously, um, as I've mentioned there, we, we spoke about a bit about mental resilience. Um, and I think what we're talking about today follows nicely on um, when we're, we're talking about um, leadership and, and how that impacts in the workplace. Um, so to, first kind of question, I suppose, is um, I think goes back to when we spoke again previously, you mentioned something about um, accidental monster in the, in oh, the yeah. workplace. <laughs> yeah. um, and just to kind of take from that, um, just looking at, are there, some common leadership types. So there we kind of, we've, we've touched on one with an accidental monster. Um, so have you come across some, some more kind of common leadership types um, as a performance coach? Um, and how would you, how do you find that they translate across uh, multiple industries? That's a great question, actually. So um, I typify this as sort of understanding our leadership shadow. So what kind of conditions do we create as a leader? Do we even know? Because I'm, I'm wondering sometimes if we even know. So I see not so much as common types as common traits. Um, so in my line of work, I talk about six kind of um, their, their scorable components. Uh, when added together, they make up a leadership style. Now, depending on each trait, you can have like thousands of kind of permutations of what that looks like in reality. But um, if we talk about those kind of six core common components, I'll kind of bring them to life a bit. So the first one is goal orientation. So this is the extent to which um, leaders believe that achieving a goal is important. And I kind of typify this as they are they at an uh, at any cost kind of person or are they uh, actually the journey matters. The next one, I guess, is about motivation. And, and this for me is really interesting to, to watch, you know, what do leaders believe is the prime motivation for people? So uh, is it about the task or is it about the kind of the journey as well? So for some people, I just want to get the task done. For others, you know, as, as much learning that takes place on the journey to achieving the task is important. Uh, in terms of engagement, this is pretty obvious. How do they engage with their team? So are they a kind of, you know, it's my way or the highway or are they open to ideas? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, control is a fascinating one and I often see a really interesting interplay with confidence on this one but you know what it what to what extent do leaders need to be in control are they um everything through me please or go do your best uh that kind of thing um recognition so how do they believe that recognition best take place and this you know this might be carrot or stick that's pretty normal right we hear that quite a lot 
And the last one is structure. So how important is structure to a leader? Uh, you know, do they just kind of go with the flow or do they prefer a rule book? So often those that go with the flow might be considered to be, um, you know, kind of dynamic, inspirational, natural leaders, whereas there are others, and this kind of speaks to the question about are leaders born or made, you know, whereas if they like a bit more structure, perhaps they kind of rely perhaps on more on some of those principles of leadership. So those are the six if you like components and depending on where you sit because they each have a polar opposite like as I say carrot or stick and depending on where you sit on that in all of the six components depend on what style you might deliver okay interesting so it's Ooh. yeah it's it's a it's there's a, it sounds to me like there's quite a few different um der Versions. derivatives of that yes exactly yeah yeah it, it, there's so many different combinations um yes. but yeah interesting to to know that the kind of there's six main kind of types that you, you can pull out of it. Yes. And from my experience, both as a coach and as a consultant, those those kind of components are common to any industry. So I saw them in defence as much as I saw them in the commercial environment, you know, in a, in, a, in management consultancy. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so moving on from there, then, in, in terms of um, the positives, so what would you say that are the positives and so how would how, what, what would they be if you were to identify them what, what would they look like and how could or should uh, a practice leader so in the dental world it'd be a practice leader how could they build upon these to make a be better work setting so what, what kind of things would we be looking for and, and how could they build upon that so this is where I get a bit controversial because I don't think there's anything, uh, there's no such thing as a good or a bad style. And this is because context is kin. So I've got three ingredients to that context or three variables for want of a better word. Um, and they can turn, if you like, a, def um, a default or preferred style into either good or bad. Does that make sense? So the first one is yes. organisation. So let me let me tell a story. When I first uh, left the Royal Navy, I thought I was a fabulous leader. I'd had 23 years of lots of people saying to me I was fabulous. When I joined PA Consulting, I soon realized that um, my sort of tough love approach to feedback went down really badly and actually got me into trouble a few times. So in terms of the organization, what worked in one really didn't work in another. The team also needs different things from their leaders. And I think sometimes we think as leaders, we're just one style and you either take it or leave it. But actually we should try and be as chameleonic as possible to try and give people what they need from us. So I was used to leading people in the Royal Navy, just like me, motivated in the same way, same thought pattern, same values. And again, funny old thing, when I got to PA, uh, they weren't like me. Uh, and that kind of teased me in terms of how did I adapt my leadership style to still get the same kind of peak performance from everybody. And the last kind of uh, variable of whether or not your leadership style is good or bad uh, is time. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression about Churchill was great in war, but rubbish in peacetime. Um, there was something about wartime that made his approach work where it really didn't in peacetime. He was not considered to be a great MP in peacetime at all. So, um, and again, as another story, my last ship in the Royal Navy suffered a catastrophic flood and it quickly became apparent, you know, who were the heroes before the flood that became zeros during the flood and of course, vice versa. So, you know, the way we operate can work really well or really badly depending on those three variables. So the key message for me and, into, and to answer your question about, you know, how do we kind of build whatever these things might be? Uh, the first one is you have to know what your default, your preferred style is. You know, how do you show up? How do you prefer to show up? And then the second one is, does that work in 
the time, the organization and the team in which you're working. And yeah. once you've done that analysis, you can then figure out which of those leadership components that you might want to have a, 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 have a rummage around in basically see if you can change it. Yeah, really interesting because again, you know, I think with that, from what you're saying, it's, you have to maybe start off by being a little bit more self-aware. So have a bit more self-awareness because oh, yes. you, like you say, you can think you're brilliant at something and then you know, all of a sudden it doesn't work. Um, but it sounds as well that it's situation specific as well. So, yeah. you know, like you say, you can be brilliant in this situation, but you just, you know, you don't have to change uh, industry or business or whatever. It can just be a different situation and that, and that style doesn't work for you. I think that's exactly right. So I think for me, it's not easy enough to just go, here's your one, two, three tips to build your, you know, to make your leadership style better. Because like we used to say in consulting, it depends. It depends on the organization. It depends on the team. It depends on the time. And it depends on your default style. Yeah. It, it seems to be a common theme through all our, all our, we're talking about here and all the kind of things that we're going through. There's so many different variables to, to yes. everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it, yeah, brilliant. So in, in, in terms of that, though, so we just touched on, on building on the positives. Um, so going kind of, you know, on the on the polar opposite. Um, so looking at maybe some pitfalls of, of certain leadership um, styles. So um, how would they? So if we were looking at some of the pitfalls and probably some common ones that you've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what would we you know, say, how would we look at that and think, well, how would, how does that adversely impact the team? Um, yeah. How do you maybe think like, well, I've got my self-awareness now, how can I turn that around and improve on that? Yeah, so I thought to, to kind of, um, again, bring this to life, I thought what I'd talk about for each of those six components, on each end of the spectrum, there is a negative impact of that spectrum end. And I thought I'd just kind of bring that to life a bit. So if we take about the achievement of the task, you could be the kind of leader that's just like leaving behind a whole bunch of people in a wake of destruction. You know, you could be literally destroying the team in achievement of the task. Um, and this might manifest itself as, gosh, everybody's leaving and I don't understand why. Um, conversely, you might get nothing achieved at all because you're all about the journey. Do you know what I mean? So this yeah. is where it sort of brings to life that none of these um, uh, polls are right or wrong on their own. It depends. Yes. If you believe, for example, in decision making by consensus, you could find yourself in delay or inaction, which isn't great for an organization, particularly if it's trying to achieve some targets. Conversely, you might also be stealing um, innovation and good ideas because you're not involving anybody else. It's just you, you know, it's just your little brain. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure there's much more fabulous ideas out there than there are in my little brain. If you've got a really kind of overplayed um, belief in empowering your team, you might leave them feeling like you've either abdicated responsibility or they lack support. They might feel a bit lost. Conversely, if you've got too much control, you might actually be creating learned helplessness or a disenfranchised team. Um, someone who's all about the stick uh, might think their team are inherently lazy and need supervision. And the minute they step away, you know, nothing gets done, quite frankly. <laughs> but the problem with compliance is the minute you take your foot off the gas, well, funny old thing, when the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Conversely, if you're all about the carrot, you might not ever get any discretionary effort from your team unless there's something in it for them. So, you know, neither of those are great places to be. And um, in certain circumstances, it might make sense for the task to be greater than the team. So something like nuclear safety. Um, but we also know that people perform best when they feel that they add value to the organisation, when it's more two way. So, again, for me, the key thing is building on that self-awareness 
and understanding the needs of the organization, the time and the, and the team. Um, through coaching, you can identify what are the things you can do to kind of like move yourself along those spectrums. So being either end of the of the of the spectrum of those of those components is not helpful. But there are things you can do to just nudge yourself along. I, I imagine it like um, you know, a little um arrow in the center of an abacus or something like that. You just nudge along basically to get yeah. yourself a bit more flexible. So um, it's not necessarily about whole swathe of uh, learning or something like that. It may be just about just tweaking one of the components a smidge and it just makes a difference in your overall performance because of all the way those variables interact. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think from what you're telling me there, I, it makes being a leader sound a lot more complex than you probably give it credit for because this sounds like there's so much kind of flex in there and, and adaptability that you need to have because you've got a team that maybe, like you say, thrive of different management styles, then you've got your end goal, and there's all these different things that you're kind of having to to change your Double. style all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about leadership and learning it, it's not as simple as that. I don't believe so. And I'm very happy for someone to kind of give me a, a different point of view. But for me, there's there's so much about the environment in which we operate that makes us good or bad, if you like, or makes us successful or unsuccessful as leaders. Uh, it's not as simple as going, well, if I just adopt this style, that will nail it. It's just not as easy yeah. as that. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And it's, you know, you, you talk about the kind of training courses and it's it's not as simple as a training course where you, you know, you you kind of go to a textbook and you read it and I write I've done that I've ticked that box and you know I've, I've learned all of that it's it's simply not like that at all no it's it's much more of a um for me it's much more of a thinking person's sport when it comes to leadership you know it's not about tasks or checklists or something like that it's more about uh, you know, the use of EQ and things like that. What am I seeing? How am I being? How am I responding? Um, and also being open. I don't know the extent to which that you guys use, for example, 360, but the extent to which that you're open to the idea that for some people you might be getting it wrong. So I had a line management team in PA of about eight people and seven of them thought I was fabulous. One of them thought I was awful. And I can imagine that for that one person, they were right because there were difficulties in our relationship. I showed up differently for them than I did for the other seven where there were fewer difficulties. So it's not that I was, you know, a good leader and this person was wrong. In their eyes, I wasn't being what they needed me to be. Yeah, and it, it pulls on that adaptability again. It's, yeah. yeah, we, yeah, you're absolutely right. We we don't all see the same thing. No, or respond yeah. to the same thing. No, exactly, yes. And that adds even more variables into it. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so just, brilliant kind of overview of all of that um just kind of I suppose my last uh, thing would be um on how would you suggest that um a practice leader would engage more to get the best or a better performance out of their team so this is again where I, I probably get a bit more um uh maybe a bit more mischievous uh, particularly for the stressed leader. So I'm running a webinar in a couple of weeks and I remember uh, one of the leaders coming back to me uh, saying, I'm too stressed to attend this webinar, which will help me deal with stressed people. <laughs> um, so for me, we as leaders, we have to make time in our schedules so that we can spend time really getting to understand our team's needs and their individual needs 
in order so we can save time and angst in the future. So there is nothing that takes up more time than getting leadership wrong. You know, the HR complaints, the, the mediation that was required, the, um, the investigation that might need to take place, even just the lack of productivity you might get as a result of getting leadership wrong for an individual. Um, emotional energy it takes up and things like that. So when I hear leaders go, I haven't got time to do this leadership thing well, Again, I'm, I'm sort of reminded of a story um, that we used to get told in the Royal Navy where I was an officer first and my specialism second. So my prime responsibility was leading people well. My secondary responsibility was making sure everyone was fed and clothed and watered and, and you know paid and things like that. But if I got the first bit right, invariably the second bit was going to be much easier because I wouldn't then find my time taken up with complaints, investigations and unproductive people. So it might sound a bit counterintuitive when you're super busy, but for me, there's something about a discipline of carving out, this is my team time, this is how I get to know the team, and it serves me well. So I spend an hour now, I might save myself three hours in the future. So I guess my key tip is make time for it. Yeah. And it's, I think you know, when you're talking to me there, the, the phrase in my that pops into my mind is, you've got to speculate to accumulate, and you often associate that with finances, but obviously yes. yeah. it, it runs through to, to other places in life. Yeah, yeah. Just and time is valid. I think that's a, a brilliant point as well because I think giving people time, it's it's somebody once said to me, time is my my, my most precious commodity. And I think it, it's true. It's giving somebody time is is invaluable. You it's priceless, I should say. And I think even if um let's say uh, nothing magic happens in that time. Actually, sometimes an individual knowing they've got that time with a leader is enough to kind of boost confidence, boost a sense of value, boost a sense of engagement. So even if there's no you know, life-changing thing that happens in that time, both of you will have learned something about the event and both of you will feel good about the fact that you've kind of invested in that time. And as you say, potentially avoided something much longer and much more painful later on. Yeah, I think from from my point of view, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that can identify with this at some point, is you know getting something in your diary and you've got that time in, and then you keep getting bumped back. And I know the feeling; it's kind of like I'm not important, Correct. so I'm not valued. Yeah, and and I think you know there's nothing worse. None, none of us like it, and it feels like sometimes when we're leaders, we forget what it feels like to be on the receiving end. Uh, so every single one of us, if I asked a question of a crowded room, you know, how many of us have had a bad boss experience? You know, every single hand would go up and we're instantly transported back there. And it feels like sometimes when we're in these leadership positions, we sort of we sort of lose sight of that a bit about how it feels to be on the receiving end of somebody who's not quite delivering what we need of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Like I say, I'm sure there's you know, every single thing we've spoken about there. There's lots of times where we've gone, oh, I'm sure there's other people who can identify with that. Or like you say, a room full of people where they've all put their hands up and probably in different circumstances. One story is probably they feel it's been the worst boss ever. And then somebody else will probably view it as, well, not that bad after all. But uh, yeah. we've got like you said, you've said through the whole thing, we've all got our different opinions on or how we view things. Um, yes. And that yeah. that kind of ties into the adaptability and the style of what we're talking about. But um, yeah, yeah some, some great stuff to, to to for people to listen to and to to take some some key learnings away from it. There's a there's a there's a a stat that I'd just like to leave you with, which is I don't know if you've seen the health and safety executive report that came out. I think it was October last year about um, work related stress. Right, I haven't two, seen this. Two and a half percent of us uh, employee, employees are suffering with work-related stress 
And one of the two main reasons is a bad boss. Yeah, drives it home when you hear statistics like that. Yeah, something like 17.9 million working days lost due to work-related stress, depression and anxiety. One of the two main reasons, bad boss. Oh, and the other one is heavy workload, which invariably comes with a bad boss, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And, and when, I think that's where we, you've touched on it before. I think it was in our previous recording that a lot of businesses only look at it as, as financials. So whether it's worth investing in as a financial, but I guess when you put that amount of working days into you know, pounds and pence, then people kind of sit up and take a bit more notice of it. Yeah, well, there's another stat where I saw the cost of poor leadership, this is by an American study, was basically $126,000 a year. So for every one poor leader, they were effectively costing on average £126,000, their staff turnover, stress absence, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so invest that a little bit more wisely, and it's, uh, it's going to bring it crashing down. Indeed. Yeah. Well, great stuff. Thank you ever so much uh, again, Joanna, for uh, for joining us and, and sharing yeah, your, your insights. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And, you know, I've, I really enjoyed listening to some things that you know I can really identify with. And like I say, I think there's a lot of other people who will feel the same. Hopefully. Fabulous. Super. All right. Well, um, you take care of yourself and, and you. um, hopefully we'll speak again in the near future. I do hope so. Thanks very much. Thank you.